Welcome to Section Hiking the Appalachian Trail. I am your host, John Eskelson, and I'm grateful you've taken the time to listen to this podcast today. For those who want to see pictures from these adventures, please check us out on Instagram. You can find me at Section Hiking the Appalachian Trail at uh, section underscore hiking underscore the underscore AT and on Twitter at Eskelson John which is E-S-K-E-L-S-E-N-J-O-N. If you have any comments or questions you'd like to share, please share your thoughts with me as well. I look forward to hearing them. Now on with the show. So hi, this is John Eskelson and I'm back. Um, I know that it's been a year since I last recorded uh, an episode of this podcast and uh, it's been a long year. Um, I got to say a couple things before I actually share some information about what happened to me from a hiking standpoint this past year. I have a tremendous amount of respect for those who are able to uh, produce and develop ideas that they want to podcast on a very consistent and dedicated basis um, and do so in a timely manner. Uh, I mean, as I said, it's the first episode I've done in a year and it was a... and none of it, it wasn't necessarily environmental, uh, mental, <laughs> environmentally caused that I didn't podcast. Um, but there were elements of that. Um, but also, you know, it just takes a tremendous amount of discipline and focus, uh, leaving aside certain things uh, from life uh, in order to do so. And so I've, I've learned a tremendous amount of gratitude and respect for those people who are able to undertake these endeavors um, on a very consistent and continuous basis. So in this episode, what we're going to talk about is what happened in 2021 to myself and my friends as we hiked in 2021. And and we're going to mostly focus on the hiking, although some other, uh, other things in my life did take place that impacted uh, hiking. And in summary, 2021, it was a mixture of awesome and suck, like really bad suck. And so as with all people's lives, uh, things play in uh, to those ideas. I'm going to say that right up front, the awesome part is I got to do plenty of backpacking and spending time with friends and getting to experience the outdoors. Uh, we're going to obviously focus mostly on the outdoor stuff, um, but I was able to do some other things as well that were really great. Um, it sucked because we're still in this pandemic in some form or fashion, at least officially. Um, I got injured a couple times pretty badly, and I had a serious bout of depression um, uh, into the you know late summer and, and, and fall time frame. And I needed time to to heal both physically and mentally this year. And uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. So what I thought I would do is we'd go on a month-by-month basis and kind of talk about my year from the outdoors and some of the things that impacted that um, as we we, uh, progress. So let's move on. So 2021 uh, started, you know, camping in January where I overnighted locally in Virginia at Sky Meadow State Park in Northern Virginia. It was really cold that night. Like, 
you're going to freeze if you get out of your sleeping bag cold. Like I think it was down around 16 degrees the night I did it. It was just an overnighter. I was trying to just escape work. Um, one of the outside things that hindered my ability to, you know, podcast and actually get outside very much as much as I'd like to was, was my work this past year, which I love and respect tremendously, but it also impeded my ability to do some of the things I wanted to do. I'm sure many of you can relate to that. Um, so I decided to go camping one night in January. Uh, it was a Friday night. Um, but I was really lucky. Um, I was testing out, um, a, sea to summit reactor liner in my sleeping bag, which kept me very cozy and very warm throughout the night. Um, I received the, uh, liner, uh, for Christmas in 2020, and it provided some tremendous insulation. Um, Camping at Sky Meadows is one of those experiences where they have a, you walk in about a mile to some uh, quote-unquote primitive campsites, and then you, uh, you know, you have, they can, you can buy wood there, but it was, I got there so late and it was so cold that I just decided I did not want to um, try to build a fire that night um, and just got my sleeping bag and read and was quiet. Um and it was, you could see some great stars out there. Uh, it was overall just an awesome night. Um, on Saturday, I hiked a, around the park for about four miles um, as it snowed that day. Uh, I ran out of, uh, the other aspect is I ran out of gas uh, when I was cooking breakfast the next morning because I just grabbed whatever uh, field container I had. But fortunately, I didn't have to cook that much. I was just trying to heat water for some hot chocolate. And I realized I need to improve my breakfast game. But, uh, but yeah, that was, that was all I did in January. It was just uh, a quick little overnighter. The main thing I remember from it and I took away from that experience was see the summit uh, liners when you're cold is an awesome thing. And we'll get back to that um, for my camp out in November. I didn't go backpacking in February, but I did agree that month to prepare to take a group of high school girls on a camping trip in June. Uh, it led me to kind of prepare an attenuated list. Like what do you really need to go backpacking and focus on those key things? Um, originally the trip was going to be for two nights and three days, but because of other scheduling things that were outside of anything I could control, uh, they just ended up doing uh, an overnighter. And, um, but it really focused me to kind of rethink about what it is that you need a, to plan for a hike, if you're going to participate and two, um, what gear do you really need to focus on? And honestly, you don't need that much. Um, and it was a good experience for me to kind of think through, um, you know, what really a person does need if they're going to go on a hike and an overnighter. And if you're a beginner, what kind of things you really do need? I think I'll be, I mean, dive into that aspect in, in a future podcast episode and, uh, and think about that a little bit more. So in March, um, my main focus was working with the teenage girl, uh, teenage girls. It was a group of, uh, 16, 17, 18 year old girls, uh, from our church who wanted to do some high adventure, like hiking out in the, the actual woods. Um, I think historically, 
um, we have de-emphasized that for some of our young women, but uh, this group wanted to go do something and I was very happy to support them. Um, so in March, what we did is we did an initial hike. Um, it was a simple three mile hike from the Appalachian Trail stop off in Linden, Virginia to the Jim and Molly Denton shelter. Um, basically we hiked in, slept, um, you know, did our foods and I get up and go home the next day. It was really just, you know, a shakedown to help, help uh, the girls who participated in that uh, camping trip to just kind of start to learn and start to get used to the idea of what it takes to get get uh, a few pieces of gear on your back and to walk and move for several miles and then to, um, you know, test out how to do a camp stove, test out how to set up your tent and keep yourself warm in the night when it's wet. Uh, my daughter participated. Um, and, you know, she learned to set up her tent and uh, showed her how to stay warm, which she did her best at. Um, it was a very wet and cold night, but, um, and she was a little cold. And so I had, had, I got to take an opportunity to help her, you know, learn to figure out how to do that. Um, the other key aspect of uh, this hike was that I had, per I purchased a hammock and I did not actually sleep in my tent as I have normally done. As those who have listened to previous episodes of my podcast know that I've, I've used a uh, Nemo Hornet two-person tent, which is a very small and compact and lightweight tent uh, for most of my hiking adventures to date. Uh, but in March, I got a new, uh, I guess I succumbed as the word I would use, to those uh, obsessed with hammocks and I bought a setup uh, the hammock gear wonderlooks um, it's a it's a package that hammock gear sends uh, sells um, that has the hammock itself with a bug cover which is great um, it comes with in this package two of their basic an under quilt for underneath the hammock and an over quilt to light under to cover you up and then it provides a covering. And the version I got, I got the Dyneema uh, fabric uh, tent covering uh, because it's a little bit lighter weight and I wanted to spend more money on a fancier product than their tried and true sil nylon um, tarp that goes over the entire structure. I'm saying it this way a little bit to make fun of ourself, myself because I think sil nylon is a very good product. And I probably should have just saved a couple hundred bucks and done that. Instead, I bought a very nice, lovely, works great, but more expensive uh, Dyneema fabric tarp uh, to put over my uh, my hammock. Anyway, we we took this trip, and uh, the Jim and Molly Denton shelter is lovely. It's a well cared for private facility on the Appalachian Trail in Northern Virginia. And uh, we, we cooked and the girls who participated were able to you know, get a taste of what it means to go out overnight on it with a backpacking. And there were several who did not go. And, and I, it was funny um, when we actually did the trip in June that some of them were a little surprised of what it's like to be a little dirty and sweaty and not have a shower right next to you when we, when we took the trip. But you know, this was a good experience. The other thing I'll mention about my uh, my march 
was um, I met up with Alex and Chris um, from uh, my friends in Pennsylvania, and we hiked the first 20 miles of the Standing Stone Trail there. Last year, we um, in 2020, we did the middle of 20, well, the, the second 20 miles. And so this is just a fun trail. It wasn't particularly hard, but it was just nice to get out and spend some time with some friends up in Pennsylvania. In April, I had to focus on some other areas of my life. Um, in this case, it was grilling, uh, smoking. I, I was able to purchase a new pellet grill. Um, I was, um, I did a lot of research and uh, went with a company called Gorilla Grills, just in case you're curious. It's a great one. I really recommend it. It's like a Traeger in the sense that it's a pellet grill. Um, but I was able to start smoking up chicken and brisket and ribs on a regular basis. And uh, it was also a turning point for my family, at least, in that we were able to get vaccinated up in Hagerstown, uh, Maryland. And we felt just a lot freer to move, um, you know, that we were going to be less at risk for serious illness uh, with, uh, with COVID. So that was great. In May, um, and we'll we'll have a couple of episodes um, on this hike. I met up with Alex and my friends Martin and Ryan, and we hiked the Maryland portion of the Appalachian Trail, that 43 miles, over a beautiful long weekend, um, and the weather was great. It was nice and easy, uh, and um, it's if you're heading from north to south, which is what we did, it's generally downhill. Um, and I can't wait to talk more about this in future episodes. Later on Memorial Day, we took a hike up in Thurston, Maryland, with these teen girls and, and several of their moms. Um, I was wearing a pair of Merrill's hiking shoes at that part, and it was during this hike that they started to fall apart. And, and one of the things I noticed um, this year about shoes is that uh, some shoes, and, and I don't say this is because Merrell's are bad shoes. I, I think I probably just got a poorly constructed pair. Um, I really did like them. They're fun to wear and they're comfortable. Um, but the rubber on the soles started coming off, came, came unglued. And so I quickly needed to find a different pair of shoes. So this leads us to June. Now, this hike that we are going to do with these young women was going to happen in June. And what we are going to do is we're going to start at the Front Royal entrance into Shenandoah on the north side and then hike up into the Shenandoah Mountains and do three days, ending up probably in uh, Big Meadows uh, Park there. That was the original thing. So probably get ourselves to um, Gravel Springs the first night and then the second night go up to bird's nest number three and then finish off uh on the last day um at big meadow and then have a have a like a barbecue or dinner there to feed them and then get them all home but again because of other requirements on the scheduling for whatever reason it got that last night got cut and so we just did an overnighter and so what i had them do is roughly 14 miles the first day from Front Royal to uh, Gravel Springs. And then from Gravel Springs, they went to the Thurston Gap, which is another 14 miles. 
Um, as those of you who are more familiar with Shenandoah, it's you go up, and once you get up on top, you're you're moving up and down in elevation only about 250 feet or so at any given time. So sometimes you're trending up, sometimes you're trending down. It's not flat, but it's not grueling either. Um, so for many of the, some of these girls, it was the first time they'd backpacked. Um, and for others, they'd backpacked before some, several had been on the shakedown hikes, but, uh, it was, it was not, they, they did it. That was the great part. Um, overall the trip was a success and I was very happy. Now for me, uh, it ended up being less successful. I ended up leaving the trail the first night, uh, because I, I burned myself cooking dinner, um, I know that the image I have in my mind when I say that is of Michael Scott from The Office uh, burning his foot on his foreman grill that he puts at the, at the foot of his bed. It wasn't anything like that. In some ways, it was worse. So for dinner, what I was mostly trying to do was to boil water. Uh, I had two portions of salmon from Patagonia Provisions, which is actually kind of heavy. They're both about six ounces each. Um, for me and my daughter. And then I was supplementing that with, uh, what is it? It wasn't couscous. It was quinoa. You know, quinoa is a very hearty grain. It's got a lot of carbs, but, and a little bit of protein, but it's very healthy to consume. So it wasn't just like ramen noodles, which I also love, but are distinctly less healthy than, uh, hot quinoa. And, uh, I was boiling the quinoa and one of the things and as I went to grab the boiling quinoa in the pot, my hand slipped and I poured boiling quinoa down my leg and it stuck in that little divot where the ankle meets up with your foot, um, connects to the well of the shoe. and. Uh, one of the things I learned about quinoa in that episode is that when it is boiling and hydrated, it retains the boiling water in it and is extraordinarily hot. Uh, so I got the sh my shoe off. I got the boiling quinoa out, um, but it, my, uh, my ankle blistered up like you wouldn't believe, and it was a second-degree burn. There was, uh, we'll just call it shenanigans and hilarity that ensued to uh, initially treat it by some of the people around me until my friend uh, who was hiking with me and these uh, young women, uh, I, I got into a pool of water to cool it off and we treated it uh, appropriately. Uh, and he took me off, the he forced me to go home that night. Now, because it's Shenandoah, there's always people with cars, and there was another group um, hiking through uh, Shenandoah National Park that that day, and they happened to have a truck up in a parking lot nearby. And uh, one of the gentlemen there very graciously took me to my car, um, where I was able to go and get uh, get taken care of and at urgent care that night, and go home. But that that burn lasted for about two months as my as the skin on top died and as it tried to repair itself. Um, yeah, it took really till the end of August 
to fully heal up. It was a rather substantial uh, burn, and I still have a scar from it on my ankle. And uh, the biggest part about that is from June until the end of August, I really wasn't able to walk very well or put a lot of pressure on my foot. So that was that was pretty pretty devastating actually for me personally. Um, although I was very th I was quite thrilled that my daughter and many of her friends were able to complete uh, 28, 28 miles in Shenandoah over two days. Um, they were exhausted, but there was such a sense of uh, purpose and completion when I talked to them uh, afterwards. It was really a great uh, opportunity. So with an injury in mid-June, um, I turned towards healing in my other hobby, which was attending Washington National Games. And back in 2019, when the team went to the World Series, the Nationals had this deal. If you, you could get World Series tickets at face value if you bought either a full or a half season tickets for the following year. So I bought about half season's worth of tickets and I sold two of the three World Series games in the strip I paid for which basically paid for all these, this half season I, I had purchased. Um, and it was win-win from my vantage point. So as many of you know, the 2020 Major League Baseball season was a wash. So I was able to make good and uh, use the tickets in 2021. Um, now, for those of you recalling last year's baseball season, in particular the Nationals, uh, they had a lot of free agents on the team, um, an older team, and basically some of an expensive team. Additionally, it seemed to be one of Steven Strasburg's years to be perpetually on the disabled list, and Corbin uh, wasn't pitching well. So the team was middling, but they were still, they're still in the pack for the National League East. And there's a reason why I, I bring the story up. So the reason I bring this up is that while the Nationals were middling in the NL East, there was a lot of teams last year in the NL East middling. If you may recall, the world champion, uh, the World Series champion uh, Atlanta Braves only won 88 games over the course of the entire season. Um, fewer than the Seattle Mariners, for instance, in the American League West, who won 90 games and didn't even make the playoffs. So over the course of a series, I think sometime in July, uh, they lost to Baltimore's uh, so-called Major League team, really more of a AAA team, and they decided to sell off for the year. And literally, they traded everyone they could off of the Major League rust, uh, roster. I mean, for those of you aware, Trey Turner and Max Scherzer made, uh, nearly made the World Series later this season with L.A. Um, and after that, the Nats simply were not a good team. Although Juan, Solo, Juan Soto um, kept doing what he does and had a magical second half of the season. And if Bryce Harper hadn't had a better second half and the Nationals were a little bit better... I think Soto would have been the MVP for the National League, but I digress. Uh, with the dumping of the Major League roster, I I went into a deep funk, and, and I'm putting this together now linearly, but at the time I didn't realize it. Between the injury and, um, and the Washington Nationals dumping, I the two things that I really love doing, being outdoors, I couldn't really do that because I couldn't really walk, and going to... Nationals games were no longer fun. Um, I I ended up going to the doctor because I was just feeling lousy, and I they had me go through and ask all these questions, basically about my mental health, and diagnosed me with depression. And I don't think it was as simple 
as saying the Nationals sold off their team and so I went to depression. I think it was a culmination of two years worth of shenanigans and overall badness that surrounded the pandemic and some of the other things that happened just simply ended up demoralizing me. The net effect of this is I needed to take care of myself and my mental health a little bit better and, you know, saw my doctor and and uh, did my best to to do so over the next few months. And so I did, so I really started trying to take care of myself in August. Um, and fortunately, by September, my ankle was in good enough shape that I was able to go back out in the field. And being out there again really helped me feel better about myself and my purpose and, uh, you know, helped me, helped part of that process of getting my mental health back. Um, I went with uh, several of my friends again. Um, it was Alex and Martin and Ryan and another friend of ours, Carrie from uh, Chicago. And we hiked from Harper's Ferry um, down to Linden, Virginia, to the, to the footsteps of Shenandoah. Uh, it was very fun, but I didn't plan it especially well, and we'll go into that in future episodes. Um, and for some reason, our distances were all whacked. Um, I, I must have done a sloppy job at calculating the distances uh, via Gaia GPS. Um, and as a preview to our future episodes on this, I ended up eating soap. Uh the last note I'll make about this trip, which was fun, um, but probably the hardest I've ever experienced, is the roller coaster is tough, y'all. It is really hard. Um, and one of the things I didn't realize um, from this trip is when you map out, you're going uh, going on the on this section of the trail, is you have these two big inclines and decreases with these little tiny bumps in the middle. And those little tiny bumps in the middle are uh, are the roller coaster. So from my vantage point, from a planning perspective, I didn't take them very seriously. Um, I was focused on getting up and over the big giant bumps, which were sizable, but are pretty easy because they're fairly gradual, while the roller coaster uh, hills are not gradual. I didn't understand what I was looking at when I was doing my planning. And as a result, uh, we had fun, but we were exhausted and probably would have structured the trip a little bit differently. So let's go into the rest of the year. So that was in September. Um, I wasn't able to hike for various reasons through the rest of September and October. Um, in part because of, uh, I have a high school daughter and we went and did college visits with her. Um, so that really hindered our ability to go hiking in October. However, I was able to go one more time in, uh, West Virginia to the Cranberry Wilderness in, in November with, uh, my friend Martin. And that was really fun, really cold, but really, really quite fun. Um, there was a lot of beauty there. It's a from a um, plant perspective, it's there's a different environmental zone in this area of West Virginia, which makes the whole the whole fauna, uh, not fauna, anyway, flora, the whole the whole range of the kinds of plants and that you see in that area is just different than anywhere else. Um, we did. 
we if it wasn't so cold um we probably would have done a second night there but it was cold enough that we pushed it and just did one night um it was interesting because i used um my sleeping bag insert with my hammock um, and it really helped me uh, stay warm that night but we'll have a separate uh, full episode on the cranberry wilderness and and the hike that we did there so from there we hit the holidays and now it's 2022 and i'm getting ready for this year's hike so i have a couple goals um, for what i'm going to do uh, to get prepped for the 2022 hiking season um, from a hiking standpoint my plan is to go uh, hike the state of georgia with friends and then also finish pennsylvania have about 180 miles left of pennsylvania to do and so alex and i decided that we could probably knock it out in nine weekends so we'll have to find nine weekends to to hike about 20 miles a piece and then a good friend of mine who is a uh, medical doctor in utah he uh he is uh similarly seeking to uh, section hike the appalachian trail and uh, he wants to do Georgia next year. And so we have organized ourselves and are getting ready to do Georgia. And I'll probably have a episode or two talking about our prep session, prepping for the, the Georgia hike. Um, let's see, this not only means, this is the second goal, which is not only am I gonna be doing normal planning, but also getting into sufficient shape so I can complete the hikes. Like I think my, my weight is probably okay overall, but you know, for every pound in your body, it's it's four pounds of pressure on, on your knees when you're going up and down. And as a 47-year-old, you know, I can use whatever my knees are getting not are not as good as they once were. Um, so if I can get any weight off my knees, um, that's great. Um, so I'm working on getting back into shape and strengthening my legs and cores and dropping weight to help my knees mostly. Um so that's the second item. And the third thing is, is I'm cleaning and weighing my gear and reestablishing my base weight. Uh, this is a great time of year to check out how one, how my gear is doing, assess and weigh it to see what, I'm, what I need in terms of um, new or repaired gear and kind of identifying where my base weight is at and then figuring out what I need to buy new. So I'm also in the process of doing that. Uh, my goal is to kind of go through uh, some of the adventures I had this summer, um, particularly um, the main hike. Uh, sorry, not the main hike. I'm not even there yet. Um, the the hike in Maryland, as well as the hike in Northern Virginia, where we did the roller coaster. And to see um, and to identify some of the actual, the additional uh, experiences we had there. And then to talk, do probably one episode on... Uh, the Cranberry Wilderness, and then another episode um, another episode teed up for that, but on something else that will come to me, but I can't remember. Anyway, so that's what happened in 2021, and uh, we'll, I guess we'll wrap it up. But before I wrap it up, I, I did notice one thing when I was going through the, the podcast software that I use um, kind of shows you, you know, the age groups and the, you know, the some of the demographics 
and the locations of where people are um, who listen to this podcast. And uh, one of the things I saw, and I have a very, this is a very small audience, mostly because I'm inconsistent and probably because some of the things I say are not that interesting. But uh, one of the things I saw is that there are people in the Baltic states who listen to this. There's people in Hong Kong and Belarus and a few other states that are facing real authoritarian challenges. Now, this is not a political podcast or an international affairs podcast, but I want to say to anyone who might be listening from those countries um, that I strongly support um, democratic norms and the efforts that people in those countries are making to uh, advance uh, individual autonomy and freedom and uh, the rule of law and liberal norms and liberal in the sense of uh, the broader idea of Western liberalism based on the enlightenment that those of us in the United States and in Western Europe really take for granted and don't even see much anymore, uh, which is why there are times when we ourselves kind of seem to forego and forget these very rudimentary ideas and blessings that we have in our lives for stability in our own country. Uh, sometimes it, I feel like we ape after authoritarians in the way in which they rule their countries. But for, for those of you who are in those countries, I say welcome. I hope I give you something that's of interest and that uh, perhaps we will see you on the Appalachian Trail in the coming months and years. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Section Hiking the Appalachian Trail. I'm glad you took time to listen uh, and learn more about the trail and the adventures that me and my friends have along it. If you'd like, please subscribe to this podcast to hear more of the adventures we have as we go along and section hike the Appalachian Trail. Also, feel free to leave a review and give us a rating. We welcome your feedback. Finally, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at sectionhikingthead or follow me on Twitter at EskelsonJohn. Until next time, happy trails.